So what I'm going to share with you um, this morning, I've entitled A Beautiful Thing. This beautiful thing is not something that is tangible, like an object that we can touch. It's not something like Piet's motorbike. He would call that a beautiful thing. That's not what I'm talking about. And it's not even something like a beautiful view, something that we can see. This beautiful thing is an unseen thing that I want to talk about this morning. And it's happening in you right now as I speak. And it's happening in you every week and every day. And it's going to be happening in you for the rest of your life. You may not always recognize it. You may not always see it. But it is happening in you. On that day that you became a Christian, can you remember back to that day when you said, yes, I believe that Jesus is Lord, and you gave your heart to him, you became a Christian. On that day, you instantly became a new creation. Your spirit came alive to God, and you were adopted into the family of God. So that is done. That has already happened. But from that day, up until the day we go to heaven, there is a daily process that is happening in your life, and it's a beautiful thing. And that process, I would call transformation. We are transforming. We are changing. The Christian word for it is sanctification. We are being transformed. We are being changed. You are becoming more and more like Jesus you are changing every day more and more into his likeness. Slowly, yes, but it is happening. And it's a really beautiful thing that's happening. In kids' church today, um, for the summer holidays, they are going to be looking at the theme of bugs, all the different bugs in the world. And today, they're looking at the caterpillar. So they are going to look at how a caterpillar slowly changes into this amazing butterfly. And what it ends up like is completely different from what it started. It's a profound change that happens in a caterpillar's life. And that is the change, that is the transformation, that is the sanctification, that is the beautiful thing that I want to speak to you about this morning that's happening in your life. Scripture talks about it. It's all over Scripture. I've just pulled out three Scriptures that I think really explains this change that is happening in our lives, and I'd love to read it to you. So Romans 8 says this. If you've got your Bibles, please open. Otherwise, we're going to read it from off of the screen. Romans 8:28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's us. God works for the good of those who love him who have been called who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so what we reading is God predestined this. What does predestined mean? It means that he determined it in advance. He determined it. God is determined that we 
become transformed into the image of his son. This is the process of sanctification. Hebrews 2 verse 11 says this. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So both the one who makes people holy, who makes people holy? Jesus. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are being made holy, which is us, we're of the same family. Talks about the process of becoming holy. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And then 2 Corinthians 3 says the same thing from verse 17. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who? We all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed. God's purpose for us, all along, it's always been his purpose. Firstly, to reconnect us to our Heavenly Father. But then secondly, to transform us into the image of his Son. He's making us more and more like Jesus. So we have to ask the question, well, if we are becoming more and more like Jesus, what is Jesus like? What are we being transformed into? The New Testament gives us a beautiful picture of the life of Jesus when he lived on earth. And I think he would have been so wonderful to be around. Who of you have watched the series, The Chosen? It gives you a really beautiful picture of the possible personality of Jesus. And I think he would have been amazing to be around. He loved people. That's the one thing that stands out to me when I look at Jesus. He loved people. He would take time to engage with people, whether they were rich or whether they were poor, whether they were male or whether they were female, whether they were children or whether they were adults. He even engaged with those who had no time for him, who didn't love him yet. He engaged with those people. I want to be like that. He had a grace and a truth both together. He had so much grace and patience for people. But he also walked with truth. He was never shy of giving them truth. And never once did he have more grace than truth. Never once did he have more truth than grace. He was able to walk with a balance of grace and truth. I want to be like that. He was an incredibly kind and had time for the outcasts and for the downtrodden and for the sick. Don't you want to be like that? Jesus was also not afraid to speak up against the religious leaders of the day, even to the extent where he took a whip and he chased them out of the temple because they were using the temple for their own purposes and for their own benefit instead of for God's glory. So Jesus took a whip and he chased them out. Jesus was not afraid to speak up against the wrong that was happening around him and the injustice that he saw. I want to be like that. 
Jesus had courage in the face of persecution and suffering on the highest level. He had courage. He knew why he had come to earth. He knew what his purpose was, and he didn't allow himself to be distracted by all the glitter and the sparkle that's in this world. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he knew he was going to the cross to die, he was so honest and vulnerable and raw in his dialogue with his father. And he said to his father, I don't want to do this. Please take it away from me. And then he says these words. He says, but not my will, but your will. He chose God's purpose and plan over his own comfort. I want to be like that. This is our Jesus. This is what we are slowly becoming like. Who of you have ever read the whole of the book of Leviticus through? Put your hand up if you have. I'm sure many of you have. Yes, I hope you would have. If a new Christian asks you, where should I start reading in the Bible? Do not tell them the book of Leviticus. There are many other books that you can tell them first, and then maybe later they can go to the book of Leviticus, because it's a book of rules and a book of regulations that God gave to the Israelites. God is a holy God, and when he chose Israel to be his chosen nation that he wanted to show himself through to all the other nations, he said to them, I am holy, and you need to be holy. You need to show who I am to the other nations. And so he gave them all these rules and regulations that they needed to follow. There were instructions all about the different animal sacrifices that they had to do. They had to do it properly. They had to do it correctly in order to atone for their sins. So there are paragraphs of rules and regulations of what they should have done. There's paragraphs of what is clean food and what is unclean food. There's even passages of what to do if you get an infectious disease or if you've got mildew in your house. There were things that the Israelites had to do in order to be holy. And it was into this context that God gives the Israelites one of his names. God has many names. God is his title but he has many names. So it's like, the, if I have to say, the president of the United States, that, that, that is his title. But what is his name? Joe Biden. I was thinking, oh my word, what's his name? Joe Biden. So you get a title and then you get a name. God is a title, but he has many names. And when we get to know his names, we get to see who he is. It tells us a little bit about his, who he is, his character, what he does. And so when God was giving the Israelites all these laws and rules through the, the book of Leviticus, he then tells them one of his names. And this is what he says. He says, I am Jehovah. Could we put it up there? I am Jehovah Meko Dishkem. That's his Hebrew name. Mekodishkem. He says, I am Jehovah Mekodishkem. And this is what it means in English. I am the God who sanctifies you. I am the God who makes you holy. I am the God who transforms you. God was looking 
forward into the future. He knew Jesus was coming. He knew the Israelites couldn't clean up themselves. He knew the Israelites couldn't make themselves holy. They couldn't possibly obey all of this law. And so God shares with the Israelites and he says, this is who I am. This is my name. And it means I will, I will make you holy. I will sanctify you. This would have been profound for the Israelites to hear. When you read Leviticus today, and I really encourage you, I really um, hope you still do read Leviticus, but when you read Leviticus, we read it with an unbelievable gratitude for Jesus. That's what happens when we read Leviticus today, because we, we no longer have to make ourselves right, make ourselves holy. It's Jehovah Mekodishkem who has done it for us. Some of you have heard stories, me tell stories, of an orphanage that I was involved in in South Africa. For over 10 years, we started this orphanage and then we ran it. And South Africa at the time was having many babies be abandoned on the streets. And so many of these babies were dying. We heard about it. And as a church, we said we need to do something about it. So we opened up this orphanage, this baby's home. And as the babies were found, they would bring them to us. And we would look after them until parents were found for them. So I didn't want it to be an orphanage where these children had to live until they were 18, until they got a job. I wanted to find a mom and a dad for them. I believe, God putting, I believe God loves to put the lonely into families. And so we, with the social welfare, were involved in finding parents for these children. And we were able to do that with the over 200 kids that came through our orphanage. But this is the point I'm getting at. Yeah, seriously, all glory to God. He was amazing. This is the point that I want to tell you. All of the adoptions that took place were cross-cultural. They were interracial adoptions. And I was always surprised that when the parents arrived at the home to meet their baby or to meet their child for the first time, there was always a physical similarity between the child and the parents that were coming. I could never explain it, but we saw it every single time. So there was a little boy who we had, and he had enormous ears. We used to actually pray that this boy would grow into his ears because I thought if he looks like this as an adult, his ears were too big for his head. And so we used to pray, Lord, let this boy grow into his ears. His mom and dad came from Denmark. His, his adoptive parents came from Denmark to adopt him. And they walked in and his dad had the most enormous ears. <laughs> it made us just go, this is incredible. I mean, it was like God was just fitting him into the right family where he would look like his dad. We had another little boy that we couldn't find parents for. And so he only left us when he was four. And he was this short, stocky little thing like this. And he was strong. And we always used to say, he's going to be a future South African rugby player just because of his build. And his parents came to meet him for the first time. They were from South Africa. And in walked the, the, in walked the dad. And he was short and he was stocky and he played rugby. And we just went, there it goes again. Every 
almost, I can't say every, almost every single baby that was adopted had a similar physical um, something about them that matched the mom or the dad. And we used to say, that's a work of God. Can only be a work of God. We used to call it a work of God. Even though you are adopted into the family of God, we have been adopted into the family of God. You take on the image of your heavenly father. And I wanted to tell you that simple story to give you a picture of what is happening in you. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. It's happening slowly. That's why you can't see it. But it is happening. It's a beautiful thing. I want to give you some things that we can do to activate or to increase the transformation in your life. There are some things we can be involved in or we can recognize, and that work of transformation, the beautiful thing, will actually increase in your life. Who doesn't want that? I want to be more like Jesus. So I want to be involved in these things that I'm going to talk about. One is an attitude, and the rest are actions. If you have this attitude that I'm going to speak about, it opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to transform you. And this is the attitude. It's the same attitude that Paul had. And I'm going to read you his words in Romans 15 to 25. This is Paul, the incredible Paul, who was doing so many amazing things in the early church. But this is what he says. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Sure. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Who of you sometimes feel that way? I know what is right to do, but it's hard to do it. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my, in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul knew that he needed transformation. I think we can all agree that's what we pick up. He knew that he needed to change. And he knew he couldn't change himself. He knew, thanks be to God who, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
you get a sense as we read this that there's a real war going on inside of our lives. We've got the Spirit of God who tells us what is the right thing to do. And we hear that, we want that, we know it, it's the Spirit. But then we've also got our flesh. We've got our sinful nature that so wants to do something else to go the easier route. And so there's this war that Paul's talking about that's fighting against each other all the time. And this is the attitude we need to have, that we need transformation. Because I hear many people say, I'm a relatively good person. I haven't murdered. I'm not having affairs. I'm a relatively good person. When we have that attitude, we block transformation. But when we have this attitude where we say, oh, wretched man that I am, when we are honest with ourselves and go, I know who Jenny Wallace is. I know what goes on in this mind and in this heart. I need transformation and I cannot do it myself. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. When you have that attitude, transformation comes in quickly and God does his beautiful thing. So that's the attitude we need to have. Here are some of the things, God's agents of change, that he will use in your life to bring about transformation. It's all about people. <laughs> have you ever heard, I've sometimes said this, oh, I'd love to live on an island all by myself. Wouldn't that just be so peaceful? Because when we bring people in, that's when stuff happens and that's when transformation takes place. So if I go live on an island by myself, there's going to be no transformation that happens. God uses different vehicles of people to transform us. First one is marriage. My marriage has been the greatest blessing for me. It's also been the one way that God has used the most to transform me. Why? Because you have two people completely opposite to each other from very different backgrounds, from very different upbringings, and now you put them together in the same house and they need to work together. And they are all different desires, they are all different opinions, and so transformation starts to take place when disagreements and different opinions happen. And that's how God transforms us. Marriage is one of the greatest agents he uses to transform you. I heard this quote, and I don't know who it's from, otherwise I would give them credit, but it says this. The goal of marriage is not so much about our happiness as it is about our holiness. Wow. Interesting. I think whoever wrote that knew what I was talking about this morning, that God uses marriage to transform us. If you are having a hard time in your marriage, and maybe one or two of you may even be wanting to step out, I want you to... I want you to hear what God's saying this morning. Sometimes marriage is hard because of the work of transformation. And when we're no longer wanting to transform, when we're no longer wanting to yield to each other, we're no longer wanting to forgive, we're no longer wanting to prefer that person, we want out. 
But when we say yes to the purposes of God and the transformation that happens in us within marriage, it gives us the grace to be able to push through. And in amongst the difficult times, there are amazing times, but there are the difficult times. So those of you who are contemplating getting married, we have an engaged couple with us this morning, I want to say to you, welcome to transformation. It's the most wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Piet and I are having a little issue in our home at the moment. It's been happening for the last three weeks. So we have an iron that is a steam iron, and it's amazing. Piet can iron his shirts in like two minutes. But now this iron is giving us problems. It's no longer producing the steam. It's producing the heat, but not the steam. So it's not working as well. And Piet wants to get rid of the iron, and I don't want to get rid of the iron. I'm thinking it still works relatively fine. Why go spend money on another iron? And I think I'm relating to this iron a little bit because sometimes I don't function so well either. <laughs> no, you're just going to throw me out when I have a bad day. It's like, so I want to give the iron a second chance like Jesus would. <laughs> but Piet wants to get a new iron, a new creation like Jesus would. On Monday. On Monday, tomorrow. <laughs> So sometimes the, sometimes the disagreements that we have are not right and wrong. It's just different opinions, and it's different desires. But if one of us is not going to yield, that's when problems take place, and it's in the yielding that transformation takes place. So tomorrow I am going to go buy Piet's a new steam iron because I realize that's what happens. That is such a silly illustration of a small thing in marriage. What about the bigger things? What about when you're talking about in-laws? When you're talking about how to raise your children? When you're talking about finances? Whew, transformation's big. The other way God transforms us. If you want to, if you've got a problem with patience, you've never been a patient person, the best thing you can do is to have a child. Have a child and see what God does with that patience. Having children is an incredible way that God uses to transform us. The pride that we have. These kids are the most amazing blessing in our lives. I look at my boys and my heart swells with pride. And in the next moment, I get a phone call of something they've done. And I no longer have pride. It's like it's the one way God can deal with that pride very quickly. <laughs> Children are such a blessing, but God will use them to transform you. And so welcome the process. For those of you who are not married and who don't have children, there is hope. There is still amazing ways in that God will transform you. If you are involved in a job of any kind, God will transform you through your work colleagues, through the authority that he's put over you. If you are involved in a local church, which all of you are, oh my word, God transforms us through, us through each other, doesn't he? I love the local church. I love this church. But wow, I see the transformation that takes place when disagreements happen, when misunderstanding happen, when offenses happen, we start rubbing up against each other and things become tough and we have to confront each other 
transformation takes place whenever you are involved in any sort of an environment with people. You are going to be transformed. But how we deal with it is up to us. Whether we yield, whether we forgive, whether we speak the truth in love, how we deal with it is what is going to transform you into more and more like Jesus. Two more things, and then I'm done. Two more things that will transform you. Reading the Word of God on a regular basis will transform you. Can we put that scripture up? I think it's John. John 17. Yes, this is Jesus speaking. Listen to what he says. He's talking about the people that he knows, that he knew on earth, his disciples, but he's also talking about future people that would come to know him, which is us. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Transform them, sanctify them, change them by the truth. Your word is truth. When you read the word on a consistent basis, as you're reading it, you don't see it happening, but something is happening, and it's a beautiful thing. God is transforming you. And then just with the word is often when we spend time with Jesus. That transforms us. When we come to him and we pray, it transforms us. The disciples were transformed. We saw them when they had no courage, when they were denying Jesus. And then we see them later on, and they are preaching to thousands, and they are willing to die for their faith. That's transformation. And so this verse I want to read to you is one of my favorites. The next one, Alex, says this, Acts 4 verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were transformed because they had been with Jesus, not because of education, not because they were schooled, they had been with Jesus. And it was while they were being with Jesus, walking with Jesus, loving Jesus, transformation took place and courage came in instead of fear. From a caterpillar to a butterfly, they had been with Jesus. Never underestimate your 15 minutes that you spend reading the word of God and praying because something beautiful is happening inside of you. And then lastly, we all know this. It's probably one of the hardest parts to understand, but it is an agent that God uses to transform us. And it's when we go through trials and suffering. I have watched people go through trials. I have watched people go through suffering. And you know what I see? Is when their heart remains soft, they come out transformed on the other end. They come out different on the other end. And it's an agent that God allows into our lives because he has determined, he has predestined that we will be transformed into the image of his son. And so he uses trials and sufferings. James chapter 1 says this. I don't have it on the screen, but it says this. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The testing of your faith produces perseverance, 
perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of every kind. So friends, that is what I felt on my heart for you this morning, is just for me to remind you that what is happening in you is a beautiful thing. So don't sidestep it. Don't try avoid it. Almost welcome it. And say, I want to be like you, Jesus. It's a really beautiful thing that's happening in our lives. It's a work of God. I'd love to pray for you. Can we stand? Stretch your legs. And I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer of asking the Holy Spirit to continue his work that he's already doing. And if you would like that prayer to include you, all you need to do this morning is open up your heart. Just say, Amen. I want to be more and more like Jesus. I know that I'm so not like him in many ways, but I want to be. And the Holy Spirit will faithfully just continue to work in our lives. So, Father, we as your people stand before you this morning, and I think what I first want to just say, Lord, on behalf of all of us, is thank you. Thank you for this beautiful work that you're doing in us, Lord. Thank you that we don't have to strive. We don't have to go through all those rules and regulations in order to become holy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you've done it for us and you are doing it for us. We are so grateful, Lord. In some ways, we see the change happening and in other ways, sure, Jesus, you look so far ahead. And yet, this morning, we want to just simply pray that you, Holy Spirit, would continue the work that you've started and that you would continue to work in us. Let the struggle continue in us, Lord, so that we can display Jesus to a world that so needs you. When we open up our hearts this morning, Lord, I pray for fresh grace upon people this morning where some are really struggling Maybe they're struggling in relationships between spouses. Maybe there's a struggle between friendships. I pray for grace upon grace upon grace to flood our lives. Help us, Holy Spirit, to welcome transformation, to welcome the work of God. In Jesus' name, amen.